This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 132, business radio powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. Instagram's co-founders, Kevin Seistrom and Mike Krieger, are stepping down from the social media company. They turned into a giant. They originally sold their company to Facebook in 2012 for a billion dollars, but stayed on afterwards to run the photo sharing app. The pair say they're leaving to create something new, but the departure may have something to do with some reported clashing with Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, most recently over product tweaks made to Instagram. With more on this story, we are joined here in studio by Kevin Warbach, Professor of Legal Studies and Business Ethics here at the Wharton School, and joining us uh, on the phone, Jennifer Goldback, Director of the Social Intelligence Lab at the University of Maryland, and also a Professor there of Information Systems. Kevin, as always, great seeing you. You too, Dan. Thank you. Jen, great to have you with us today. Glad to be back. So I, I guess give us a little bit of a sense, Kevin, of obviously the growth that Instagram has had. It's been a phenomenal uh, tool originally by itself and now in the in the Facebook world, but also these reports of infighting between the, the co-founders and Mark Zuckerberg. Obviously, this is a really challenging time for Facebook. It's become totally dominant as a social media platform, but uh, as as most listeners know, it's gotten caught up in all the issues about influence on the political system uh, and so forth. And so there's just a great deal of tension there between this vision, which Mark Zuckerberg has always advocated and talked about, that this is a platform for connecting people. It's a force for good in the world by bringing people together all around the world. That idealism on one side. On the other side, increasing recognition of all of the problems that get created when there's this platform that's so dominant, the way it can be abused and biased and so forth, as well as the fact that Facebook is a pretty ruthless, cutthroat, growth-oriented company. Uh, And so that tension has always been there. And I think it it was always there with the founders of Instagram, as well as some of the other companies that uh, Facebook has acquired. Uh, And finally, you know, just got to a point where the founders decided they'd rather be somewhere else. Jen, your thoughts? Yeah, this is something that we saw kind of play out with WhatsApp, which was acquired about the same time that Facebook acquired Instagram. And, uh, you know, the the people who have founded these companies that get acquired really have a vision for how they're going to look. And Facebook gets in there, and they promise to leave them alone and let them do their thing. And then Facebook eventually starts meddling with them and trying to make them Facebook-like. And, you know, if you've built this thing and you really have a vision for it as something different than Facebook, that can be disheartening. And that's what we've seen now the second time. So then it it wasn't really a surprise to you, Jen, that that this uh, announcement was made, uh, depending on maybe even the time frame, whether it, it would have occurred a year down the road or maybe six months to a year prior. Yeah, you know, we've seen, I wasn't super surprised by it, uh, because we've seen Facebook start messing around with Instagram in ways that nobody really liked. Uh, So just as one example, for people who don't use Instagram, uh, there's this thing called the hamburger menu. It's those three lines that are kind of in the upper corner that give you a menu on apps sometimes. And the Instagram guys were super proud that they didn't have one of those because there was a limited set of things that you could do with it, and it did them really well. And, of course, Facebook comes in 
and they stuck one of those hamburger menus in there that kind of doesn't have anything except a link to open the Facebook app in it. There's like three things right. in that menu. And so, you know, on one hand, that's a little thing. On the other hand, if you are guaranteed that you have control over your app and Facebook's just going to own you, and then they start messing around with things like that or throwing Facebook notifications into Instagram and kind of ruining the experience that you've created, uh, I'm not at all surprised that that frustration kind of reached a boiling point and, and led us to this spot. No question. Uh, it is worth taking a step back, though, and, and thinking about just how far Instagram has come. When Facebook bought it, it was a, a little photo sharing app. And it was a cool little photo sharing tool yeah. and uh, the one that, that seemed to have the most traction. Uh, but it was, you know, by current standards, a fairly tiny thing. And Facebook has really built it into a massive platform in its own right. I yeah. have a 14-year-old daughter, and she doesn't know what <laughs> Facebook is. Uh, she's on Insta all the time. That, that is social media for her, which, of course, is why it was such a brilliant business deal right. for Facebook, that in hindsight, Instagram was a company that could have been a very serious competitor to fe Facebook. Yeah. Didn't look like it at the time. It was tiny. Uh, but Facebook bought it and prevented that and then built it up into something big. It, it's just inherent in the logic of a company like Facebook that is so relentlessly focused on growth yeah. that you can't avoid the kind of, of meddling that we're talking about. And, and ultimately, again, if you don't want to be part of that, then you can't really change Facebook from the inside. I got a 12-year-old daughter. I'm in the same boat, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it is interesting because as you look at it, and I watch her using Instagram, it's not even the posting of pictures of family. Half the time, it's posting the pictures of yourself doing nothing, but yet it still draws the attention. And that's kind of that community feel that we have in social media right now that is why Facebook is big as it is. It's why Instagram has grown, and to a degree, even Twitter the same way. Right. Well, the question is, what's going to be the next generation? Yeah. Uh, that's the, the dynamic always in technology companies. You have these big, powerful companies that grow up, and then at some point, they get undermined. Microsoft was impregnable, and, and then Google came along, and the web came along, and so forth. Yeah. Microsoft is still a very strong company. Um, the question everyone has been asking for a while is, okay, who's going to undermine Google? Who's going to undermine Facebook? And Facebook's asking itself that question. Yeah. And the issue is, will what comes next be something fundamentally different? Or will it be the same kind of platform that's making the same kinds of trade-offs and focusing on the same kinds of techniques to just ramp up engagement at, uh, at all costs, which is what has led to some of the problems and some of the controversies? And I think inevitably Instagram as part of Facebook can't escape from that. Even though it's yeah. a different platform, uh, it's it's going to essentially converge with Facebook. But you do, Jen, you, when, when this sale occurred, you know, six years ago, there has to be an expectation, I think, uh, of, uh, you know, the original owners that change was going to happen. Whatever that level of change, you know, was, has taken place, there was going to be some tweaking to Instagram as it went along as part of the process of trying to build it up as well. Yeah, and, you know, that has certainly happened, and they've done it really well. So if we look at, you know, especially the younger demographic like you're talking about, you know, half of 
younger people are using Instagram. It's, it's very pervasive in that market. Uh, Snapchat is also really popular, and Instagram kind of stole from Snapchat this idea of these little video stories that you post. Yeah. did it really well. Uh, it became a really dominant feature. It took over from Snapchat. That became a really popular feature. That's a big change that they made to what that app can do. And, you know, I think they were willing to have it evolve, but that's different than merging into Facebook and and people always ask me, what do you think? Tell me what the future of social media is going to be. And I don't know that I've always got it right, but the predictions that I was making, you know, eight or nine years ago is that, well, what we're probably going to see is people separating out their activities into different applications because they don't want one behemoth of Facebook where everybody they know is looking at everything they do, that we want to have kind of different contexts and different groups that we're talking to on different platforms. And Instagram and WhatsApp, like, these were places that that was happening. Right. It's really smart for Facebook to acquire them, but not necessarily to try to merge them into the main application. And I think that merging into the main Facebook to just have it be another feature is the thing that upset the WhatsApp founders, it upset the Instagram founders, it upset the users. Um, and so I'm not sure Facebook's going to be successful if they push that as their main strategy. Which, which, Kevin, then that goes to what you were saying a second ago about what that next incarnation is you know if the if this truly is a, a time and f- a place where you know more is better for a lot of the consumers in this case then there can be that next level and maybe there are five six companies at that next level doing exactly what we see from from facebook and instagram and twitter and, and all of these entities right now yeah two things the first is we shouldn't make too much just of these executives leaving is that the reality is the vast majority of the time when founders get bought, eventually they leave those sure. acquiring yeah. companies, those tech companies, because they want to be entrepreneurs. They want to be founders. Yep. They want to run small, interesting companies. They get bored when this thing is the same thing week after week. Or they're in a huge organization. Yeah. So that's not that shocking. The, the timing is such that anything that happens around Facebook is going to get scrutiny and, and be controversial. So that's that's worth putting in there. Yeah. Um, the issue going forward is uh, everyone is competing for the same users because now these companies are at billion-person scale. So yeah. now there, there, there's no way to segment the market. There are, there are not that many two or three billion people markets in the world. There's sure. only seven or eight billion people on the planet. Yeah. So everyone's going after the same things. So do you think that there – and obviously, look, they, they sold Instagram originally for a billion dollars. And obviously, you mentioned the growth that they have had since becoming. But – does the entrepreneur side uh, of these gentlemen, do they say, maybe even to themselves, and they won't, wouldn't say it publicly, you know what, maybe I, we have a little bit of seller's remorse, you know, because of all the changes that have occurred to Instagram. We know we've got more, more people. We know we've got the billion dollars in the bank. But maybe, you know, this isn't what we wanted it to be. Yeah, I think that was more true of the WhatsApp founders who were even more ideological. This is all about privacy and all about a particular approach to users. Um, and that, that's why, I mean, they, they left, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars on the table. The, the yeah. thing with the Instagram founders, I, I would assume, you know, they were fully vested to the point where it wasn't financially any reason for them to stay at Facebook. Right. Um, so... I don't know. I don't. I don't know the the guys who started Instagram. I, I I think they understood what they were getting into, getting bought by Facebook. A billion dollars is a lot of money, sure, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and and you know they hold on to the Facebook stock. So I I don't know about that. It's again, it's part of the natural dynamic of the industry, and it, and it's part of this larger maturation process 
that we all need to stop thinking that, you know, about these companies as somehow different inherently from normal business. It does, doesn't mean – I mean Mark Zuckerberg really is idealistic. These people really do believe they are changing the world for the sure. better. Yeah. But ultimately, you're going to make a business decision. You're going to do things with a financial incentive. And that's true for the people buying and the people selling. Jen? Yeah, I agree. And you look at how Facebook has taken some of these steps, right? They want to take the things from Instagram that they haven't been able to do well. Uh, So those stories, for example, Facebook has a way to post those stories. No one was using it. They kind of stole some of that from Instagram and started cross-posting things, and that brought some people back into Facebook. Um, But, yeah, you know, I I think that – the, the point is exactly right, that the WhatsApp people left, I think, $850 million on the table. Instagram didn't do that. But, you know, there's a space out there for people who want to build something wonderful independent of Facebook. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's a great thing, right? We don't need everything centralized under one or two of these big tech companies. Uh, but when there's a billion dollars on the table... You know, they, I think they have tried to negotiate the right agreement so they could keep building the thing that they love and not have it just become Facebook. And that works for a while. And despite the agreements, it doesn't last forever. But it is amazing, Jen, how, you know, obviously Instagram played off, you know, the developments that we saw in the tech sector in general through smartphones and, and adding cameras to phones and, and, and the level of camera that is on phones and, and how that how Instagram and some of these other social media companies have really changed the photo industry as well over the last decade or so. I mean, it's amazing. It's been 10 years since we got the first smartphones. I was 11, right? The iPhone came out in 2007. That's not that long. And before that, we weren't looking up directions on our phones. We didn't know location. We couldn't take photos. And now you look at, say, the latest iPhones that came out last week, Everything in all the new smartphones is so focused on the camera and being able to get these great pictures that you want to share, right? It's not because, oh, I need a fuzzed out backdrop and a really great portrait mode for, you know, my personal browsing of my personal photos. It's to get it to share. And having developed a mobile app, not a website, which is what Facebook originally was, but a mobile app focused on sharing these, and it really stayed a mobile app. You can't do a lot with Facebook on, you know, desktop computer I think that's great, and it really did revolutionize the way that people were sharing these kinds of content. Uh, It was harder to do that on Facebook, even though Facebook does allow you to share photos. This focus on, it's an image, you took it like in life as it's happening, this is what you shared, here's a population to share it with, is a very different kind of thing than what you do on Facebook. And I, I think you're exactly right, it's pushed the entire tech industry towards this focus on images, and it really fulfills what a lot of people wanted to do. I think yeah. it's not a new thing. People have always wanted to document their experiences, and now we've been given that technology, and they helped give a platform to help it grow. Kim? Yeah, and, and for me, the question is, what's going to be the next thing like this, and yeah. what's going to happen to it? Jez, absolutely right. The Instagram founders were forward-looking in, in having that vision and, and building that capability when the technology was, was just coming into existence uh, at wide scale. Um, because we look back, uh, you know, from a policy standpoint, uh, allowing Facebook to buy Instagram, which, again, was, was the company that, in hindsight, most likely could have been a serious competitor sure. to Facebook by yeah. now. And similarly, a few years earlier, allowing Google to buy YouTube, which yeah. also seemed like, oh, my God, they're crazy. Why are they spending $1.5 billion on this little video sharing site? Yeah. Hugely important uh, to Google as Google and to Google in terms of preventing certain kinds of competition. 
learning those lessons as new startups get developed now uh, and come on the scene. What are regulators going to do? What are founders going to do? Um, how, you know, how are the, the next generation of founders going to think about the trade-offs? The, the founders of Snapchat, for example, said no. Facebook offered them $3 billion, yeah. and they said no. Yeah. And Facebook said, great, uh, we're just going to build Instagram into a competitor and, and, as you heard, just steal all your features, yeah. which they've done pretty successfully. Um, so that's really the, the question for me is this dynamic's not going to stop. We're not at the end of, of evolution uh, in technology. So, uh, you know, how are the lessons both from a business as well as from a public policy standpoint from this Instagram story and similar ones, how are they going to play out in decisions that are going to be made in the coming years? Well, the public policy part of it, I, I think, is interesting because as we talk here now, you know, there's so much conversation about having more public policy, about thinking about, you know, where are we going to go with a lot of these these companies? And do we need to look at regulation, you know, of some of these entities more moving moving forward? It, it's, it truly is the question of the day right now. And you talk about it a lot. So where do you think we are headed with some of these policy ideas, some, some of these potential regulatory thoughts? Yeah, obviously, it's hard to make any kind of policy predictions given yeah. the, the current environment sure. in Washington. Yeah. Although, you know, this issue of antitrust is one that crosses over party lines. It's one where you know, Trump himself has, has been you know, very aggressive in, in seeking oversight of the technology companies, for yeah. example. Um, so there's definitely a lot more desire for a more competitive market and a recognition that uh, you know, in some ways this is a competitive market, but in some ways it isn't. Uh, and Facebook in particular in the social media space is in such a dominant place. The the question is um, whether what happens in terms of more enforcement is is retrospective or not. So what what I mean by that is, again, the the next Instagram comes along that Facebook wants to buy, or the next WhatsApp yeah. is going to get a much more serious set of questions. Uh, even if it's only you know, you know Facebook's now a you know, five six hundred billion dollar company, what's another billion dollar company? I, I think sure. there will be a lot closer scrutiny of that. But that's easy to say. Don't do a merger. The harder question is if uh, we ever open the door to saying, let's break them up. Well, okay, Facebook is Facebook. Instagram is Instagram. Yeah. What's that? They still have their own brands. Yep. Yes, they share data, but let's make them into three companies. That's what we did with AT&T. It's historically the way antitrust has worked. Yep. There are all sorts of reasons why that's a bad idea, um, but there are all sorts of reasons why it shouldn't be totally unthinkable if we really want competition. And, and maybe there are other alternative mechanisms, but yeah, I think – you're certainly going to see a lot more activity, whoever's in the White House, yeah. um, in this area and, and trying to develop ideas about what are approaches that could actually create more competition. Jen? Yeah, and you know we're starting to see parts of this, especially in the antitrust space in Europe. Uh, Google is getting a lot of uh, trust-oriented legal pushback there. And uh, you know Facebook is starting to fall into that space, so they're you know, their issues are more on the privacy side in Europe. But we've certainly seen that. We saw it with Microsoft in, uh, you know, kind of the 90s and 2000s. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out here, especially as we hopefully move towards a space where we get some privacy regulation or some regulation around personal data holding. Because I, I think that is going to show, like, just how centralized the personal data is in the Facebook space and, and frankly, also in the Google space. And uh, and how much influence that has over the industry of online advertising. So, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it would be at all surprising to see that happen. And in fact, I'd be sort of surprised if in the next 
say, five-ish years, we don't see uh, some sort of investigations and maybe regulations around Facebook as a an antitrust issue. Yeah. Yeah, and the other dimension of this that we haven't talked about uh, is when we talk about things like Instagram and photo sharing, the uh, the development of face recognition technology yeah. and photo search technology, which, which all these companies are developing yep. in order to provide their own services, but is obviously tremendously relevant to governments. Uh, and so yeah. China is developing complete nationwide databases that you know can instantly recognize anyone on a street in China, uh, even with over a billion people. And that technology is being developed in the West as well. And so I think companies like this, uh, even though you know, Silicon Valley companies want to say, you know, we are not involved with governments, we're going to keep away from that. If you're building these databases and these capabilities, yeah. it's impossible to get away from a situation where they're going to be used for those kinds of applications as well. And that, that's something we really have only barely started to confront. To the phones quickly, uh, Frank in Orange County, California. Frank, in about 30 seconds, if you can. Okay, yes, thank you. Um, is it prudent to break up these social media monopolies here in the U.S. when eventually they'll face competition from the Chinese super apps like, like the WeChat, and the, which do quite more than what uh, Facebook is, is able to do at this point even? Kevin, about 30 seconds. Yeah, well, it's a big question. Eric Schmidt, uh, the former chair of Google, said recently he thinks there are going to be two internets, the American internet and the Chinese internet, and that's kind of what we have now. No one outside of China uses WeChat. Everyone in China uses WeChat, and no one in China uses Facebook. And they're both at the billion-user scale. I don't think that's sustainable, Um, but it, it depends on more than what the companies do. It depends on what the governments do. I think if they do come into competition, that will change the market, but um, I don't think anyone's going to make Facebook go away. Frank, thanks very much for the call. Jen, Kevin, thank you very much for your insight. Thank you both. Thank you. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 